This is the 12 Songs of Christmas, today with Rhonda Vincent. My name is Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. Today's a beautiful day in New Orleans, and I have the house open from the front windows to the back porch. It's so nice that it's hard to process that there's a potential Category 4 hurricane percolating in the Gulf, but that's something I'll focus on later. I'm talking to bluegrass lifer Rhonda Vincent today, who was born into a bluegrass family in Missouri and has played in the family band, the Sally Mountain Show, until she became a solo act. She's a Grammy winner and a member of the Grand Ole Opry and has two Christmas albums, 2006's Beautiful Star and 2015's Christmas Time. I'll talk to Rhonda about country Christmas music in a minute, but right now we have to deal with Carrie Underwood's first Christmas album, The Gift, which is the first major Christmas release of 2020. In 2008, she included a bonus disc of Christmas songs in a Walmart-only release of Carnival Time, and she stuck to the sacred songs on it, treating them with utmost solemnity. They're well-made showcases for her voice and her spirituality, but there's little fun in her world on these songs. The gift continues along these lines, leaning almost entirely on songs of faith, performed in a way that emphasizes its significance. When she sings, O Come All Ye Faithful, the emphasis is on the faithful, not the call to come together. Her joyful, joyful, we adore thee is all about the adoration, not the joy. The performances are impeccable, as are the arrangements, with the exception of Little Drummer Boy, which features her son singing in a very cute passage. But my gift isn't much of an advertisement for Christian faith, as Underwood presents it as a beautiful but repressed experience, where energy and enthusiasm must be tamped down. The high points are her duet with John Legend on Hallelujah, and the first single from the album, Let There Be Peace, where her faith finally breaks a sweat for the only time on the album, aided and abetted by a gospel choir. From my gift, this is Let There Be Peace. Let there be peace, peace to every nation. Let there be hope for all the world to see. Let there be love and joy to all. Let there be peace on earth for you and me. If I had one wish on my Christmas list, it wouldn't be for presents on my tree. There'd be no more tears for crying, no more wars for fighting. And every mother's child would have enough to eat. So when I get down on my knees to pray, I ask the Lord above to light the way and let there be peace. Peace to every nation. Let there be hope. My gift is on sale now. And now, let's talk to Rhonda Vincent. You're going to be in a movie singing a Christmas song. Did I get this right? I'm not. 
We're my just... voice will be ah. in the opening scene. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Yeah, I'm not physically in the movie, but I my voice will be in there. When the scene opens, you'll hear Santa, Santa Land. It's called Santa Land. So that's what you'll hear, and you'll hear our voices. Oh, very cool. So it's you and who? Justin Peters. All right. And is this... Is this going to be in theaters? I'm not sure anything's in theaters right now. Is it? Uh, yeah, I'm is it not a... sure. These days, you never know. And right. I haven't been told where it's going to be. If it's on, uh, you know, what by what means it's going to be distributed. I just know that they called me for to come to the um, what is it? The premiere in New York City uh -huh. on November 16th. Well, I'm doing Christmas in Branson from November 10th through December 20th. So they're talking about doing a Branson premiere, like a red carpet gala affair and premiere the movie there too oh wow i was going to talk to you about branson so let's back up and let's um so the so you were so you record obviously you recorded the song this year then right the santa right, land the santa land well it was actually recorded last year right about oh. this time I think. oh wow okay yeah last it was re that's they were making the you know they were making the movie last december right and so that's when i actually sang on it but you know i suppose if you make the movie it takes a few months to get it edited and all together. So right, right. it's finally coming out. That's, oh, I'm just fascinated. I, like, you know, how all work works during uh, is, yes. this year. And so whenever I hear anybody, I, j I just saw uh, a photo today of uh, Dolly in the uh, studio working on her new Christmas album and seeing there's, there's something so both beautiful and heartbreaking about Dolly Parton in a mask. And it was like, I was like, oh, so I haven't seen that yet. Yep. There's a still, there's a, uh, a studio still that just was released. I think today uh, with the news, uh, I guess with yet to say the last few days anyway, about, you know, her upcoming Christmas album and a picture of her in the studio. And it's like, this is, this is so 2020. That you know, yeah, every absolutely. everything is a sort of grinding gears. You're trying to adjust to. What do I think about Dolly Parton in a mask? Like I'm so glad, okay. and so, I'm so glad she's taking care of herself, and so sad she has to wear one. Uh, yes, you know what? I'm impressed that the lady is in her 70s, one of the greatest icons in the entire world. She could sit at home and just, you know, kick back, but that during this time she is working. She's writing songs and she's working. I actually got to record some of the things uh, for her new album. I, I ha I've only heard one song and I don't think that I made the cut. So but anyway, I, at least I got to hear a couple of songs early and they are amazing and I got to sing. I got to sing on them at least. Have the experience. Oh, that's excellent. So great. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. The uh, first show of the season, uh, I have a, uh, a friend who's a musician, who's an indie musician named Alexandra Scott, and we spent half an hour just talking about how much we loved Hard Candy Christmas. And, uh, oh, absolutely, yes. So um, it is now, now that Dolly has a record out, I do a, a new record out, I do have a reason to now sort of, you know, try to get in the derby to try to get her attention over the course of this year or in a future year. So, anyway. So, have you heard the new album at all? I've only heard a couple of songs from it. Well, let me tell you. I mean, I sang, I, I recorded it, but I don't think it's on there. But she does an amazing version of Mary, Did You Know? Not the normal version. She does a recitation in the middle, and it is absolutely just uh, chilling. Because she talks to Mary. Wow. 
it is it's wonderful Oh, that's awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear it now. Thank you. That's so great. Yeah, yeah. You're going to want to hear it. And then there's Christmas on the square. Everybody's there. Yeah. Obviously, she had to have written that. I don't know that. but And I'm hoping maybe I made that song. <laughs> cool. And she's, and she's saying, I mean, she's saying a number of songs of yours, including she sang on your version of uh, 12 Days of Christmas. Am I right? She did. Eight Maids of Milkin'. Willie's Willie's on there singing Eleven Pipers Piping and and Charlie Daniels Ten Lords a Leaping, Oak Ridge Boys is uh, twelve is twelve. I don't know what twelve is. I haven't heard it. I've been singing it in so long. We're getting ready to. We're gonna do. Uh, 12 Days of Christmas probably is the finale for our Christmas and Branson show. And I think what we're going to, maybe I shouldn't give this away, but I think we're going to have probably people dress up as the characters. Someone dress up as Dolly to sing eight, made to milk. And Ronnie Millsap is seven, Swans are swipping. Um, is it Gene Watson is six, Gisa Layen, and then Larry Gatlin's five golden rings. Jeannie Seeley, Pam Tillis, Lori Morgan. There's a, it's a star studded cast. Bill Anderson. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, I always think that song is, that song needs something. That's otherwise, that song, just getting through that song is a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, I think those guys make it a lot more fun. In fact, that's what we did. Um, Lori and Pam and Jeannie, they say, the, oh, they do birds. They do all kinds of things through that. So we, well, made it, we tried to make it fun. Hey, everybody, are you ready? On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Normally when I talk to people about Christmas music, usually we're talking about the records that they remember listening to growing up. But I would imagine that since you grew up in a musical family, your probably your relationship to Christmas music early on is probably a different one. Um, how did Christmas music factor into your house when you were younger? You know, now that you say that, I had never thought about this before. I don't think we had one Christmas album. Wow. Because we were always making the music. And the music that we heard, we, you know, we listened to the Grand Ole Opry, we listened to WSM or whatever the local country or gospel station was. And I am going to have to ask my mother. That is so interesting. And see, I mean, I can remember most Christmas Eves, my dad picked me up from school every day. And we played till dinner. And after dinner, friends came over and we played till bedtime. So my life growing up was music. We were playing and singing. We also had, from the time I was five, a, a radio show. We made our first recording. Uh, we had a TV show. 
uh, on KTVO television. So I grew up in an active working environment, which I think is why I'm so sporadic. I'm constantly doing something now um, because that's the way I grew up and that's my norm. Where, um, where were you? Uh, where were you at this time? It was as a kid. Well, I, I was I was born and raised in Greentop, Missouri. It's at the very top of Missouri, in the heart of America. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm a lifelong resident of Missouri. I still live here. I think that's why Christmas in Branson is such a natural fit. Um, last September, a year ago, September, my husband and I we moved to the Lake of the Ozarks because he's an avid golfer and fisherman. He want, that's what he wants to do. I said, you know what? I travel in and out. I can fly in, drive in from anywhere. So he, I said, let's go to the lake. So here we are. He's in, He is living his dream by getting to be here. He's golfing right now. He could walk in at any second um, <laughs> and be on his way to the dock to go fishing for the rest of the night. Right. That's great. <laughs> um, when, so, when you, so, you all, so your first recollection of Christmas music was playing it and making it, right? Yeah, I mean, and I don't even remember us really playing that much. The where we sang the Christmas music was in church. We lived like a half a block from church, so we were always the ones. And I remember uh, hearing the song "C is for the Christ Child Born on Christmas Day, H for Herald Angels in the Night." Well, that became. I mean, every year, I sang. That was the song I sang at church. Then I got old enough, and I saw the. I, I was always the singer, so I never got to be the angel in the Christmas play. And that was that was always my dream. And you know what? I'm thinking if I'm doing my own show, Christmas in Branson, I am going to be an angel in that show somewhere. Excellent. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you. They all got to wear the white things and the wings and the and the little halos. And I'm sure my husband would have something else to say about that. But <laughs> Well, I think I'm, if your name's on the marquee, you get to decide uh, who gets to be an angel. That is right. Yes, I love that. So, and then I heard Emmy Lou do Beautiful Star Bethlehem. And that then became my song that I sang every Christmas. I thought that was the greatest Christmas song ever. Um, but yeah, my, my dad was a no-nonsense kind of guy. So probably the songs of Christmas, uh, that was not a serious enough song for him, probably. Now that I think about it, because why didn't we, as a rule, we did not sing, probably sang Christmas songs at school. But when I came home, we were actively, we were either getting rehearsing or recording a radio show or getting ready for the TV show. And, and boy, now that this is really, uh, I'm going to call my mom about this because no Christmas albums. We didn't sing Christmas songs that much. And <laughs> Oh, that's really interesting. But, however, we loved Christmas. My mother loves the Christmas holiday more than anyone, more than any other holiday. That's, she loved that, collected every Santa she could get a hold of. And so Christmas was very festive at our house. Yeah, but that's really interesting. That idea that I like, I've talked to a number of musicians for whom Christmas music was a big part of sort of how a family interacted, and that whether it was you know that often it was like that was what they did. They got together, they like played on Christmas Eve, or when the family got together, you know, some people sang, someone someone sat down at the piano, but that it became kind of a part of the thing. And that's really interesting that if that you that a family band that didn't necessarily go there, but uh, so you said your dad thought these songs weren't serious enough, or that that was kind well, of I'm, a. I'm, I'm you're just putting words in, in his mind. mouth, but. Yeah, I, I'm. A, I'm putting. I'm knowing my father, because uh, like he didn't want us playing games. He didn't. You know, we were to be very studious. You know, if we didn't, I mean, there was only a few times that I ever went to stay all night with somebody, 
you know, we were there, we were, we were working and yeah, it was not like jingle bell, you know, let's sing, we wish you a Merry Christmas. There would not have, that was not the kind of guy he was. Sure. And, and you know, when we got to Christmas, that's about the only time that we didn't sing or play. So huh. that was our break from that because we were enjoying family, opening presents, uh, eating. We, we were, my mother's a great cook. And so it was always homemade cinnamon rolls and, I mean, the whole, the, everything went to my grand, both my grandmothers for Christmas. So that was the only time that, and that's the time when we didn't sing. How crazy is this? You, you know, I feel like this is a therapy session. I'm learning <laughs> a lot about my family. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder, do you think you took some of that idea forward? Because I was thinking like your, do I remember right? Your first album was like 1990. Is that right? Um, eighty. Well, I mean, I did ten with my family. Oh, sure, but I mean, if, on your own, where on your own, where you were calling the shots? On my own, I believe it was 80, 85 or eighty-six. Oh, okay. Because I am, I was pregnant with my first child. I was five months pregnant in the on the cover. That's oh, the wow. only reason I, I oh. have that as a date. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and I think I'm. You know, I need to go. I used to. We used to check them off as we made them, and now I'm going to guess I've had made about 30, yeah. 30 albums, something like that. Well, and then you didn't, uh, let me see, Beautiful, and uh, but Beautiful Star is like 2006 or 2007. So I think so. You went, so you went all that way without a Christmas album. And right. kind of, and one of the things I was thinking was like, that's a lot of recording. Why did a Christmas album never show up? And as you're talking about your dad, I wonder if kind of your attitude yeah, towards, yeah. towards his music seemed like, this, if that might have shaped your thinking about Christmas music, I it, it probably did. I mean, I loved Christmas music, but and but and you know what? I didn't make one maybe because we didn't listen to them. We didn't listen to Christmas albums. So, and when I got, I was on Rounder at the time, and they were like, you know what? They're they're so seasonal. They're so you know. Do you really want to do a Christmas album? Because it's like, yes, I want to do it. We had done two that year, I think. It was my second album released that same year, and they weren't all that hopped up on it. And I said, I don't know, we worked it out somehow. Um, and then when I got my, how I have my own label now that I started in, in 2010, and I was like, I want to do a Christmas album. And it doesn't have the same, some of the same songs are on there. But uh, most of that is, you know, I just had fun with it. Most of it, uh, now that I think about it, I'm, it's all almost public domain or original songs. I think I wrote five of them. And probably because the 12 Days of Christmas at that time was the most intricate, getting getting all of these artists, and I don't know how many artists, there's at least there's at least 12. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's more than that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, through uh, Three French Hens, we have Lori Morgan, Pam Tillis, and Jeannie Seeley. So there, yeah, there's definitely more than 12 artists on here. But coordinating all that was, and that was, that single song probably made that, that was the most expensive song I had ever created in my uh, lifetime. Uh, uh, so thank goodness. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> when you put that many people on one song, it, you know, it really, um, it makes the cost go up quite quite greatly. Kind of like, you know what? We'd never done a, a, a residency in Branson like we're doing the Christmas in Branson. This now has become the most costly venture that we've ever, ever um, gotten into. But I was trying to think of what else is there to do? There's The shows are canceling. We, we still have some shows that are just gearing up, but nothing, um, you know, for this fall. And I said, or for this Christmas. And I said, maybe this, so this is the perfect thing for us to do. 
With Beautiful Star, that was, that was your first Christmas album, right? That was definitely my first Christmas album, okay. yes. Um, so first off, why did, you, why did you decide to finally do a Christmas record? Well, we had done a live DVD, Raging Live. We, I mean, I've just done so many things. I like to always have, my husband says, I wake up with like a thousand things to do and knowing I'm only going to get a few of them done in a day. Um, I mean, I just... At the time, I just thought that the timing was right. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's the only thing I can I can think of. It, w- it was like there was there's there was a business reason somewhere, and I can't think what it was. There was some sort of a budget that was there, and I said, "Hey, if I could put this Christmas, can we do a Christmas album? I could use that first. Maybe there was some money left over. There was a reason, um, monetarily or business wise, but I also I wanted to do you know it's like I wanted to do a gospel record too." And they said, oh, no, no, um, your career's over when you do a gospel record. And it's like, what? So when I got my own label, uh, that was like the third thing that I did. I, I did a, an all-gospel project. And ironically, it will outsell anything else that we have, that we have, uh, we still, that we have any other CDs. It continues to sell. So sure. I'm happy to see that. How did your Christmas albums do? How did they do business? Christmas album was great. Um, when we released Christmas Time... Um, well, um, for my own label, by the time the Christmas, I mean, because this is when I remember them telling me there's just a short window to sell this. Why do you want to do this? But I mean, I, it just, it's not just about Christmas and it's not just about the money. And it's you, you, yes, you have to, you, know, you have to make a living and you have to pay the bills and you have to pay for your projects. But it was just things, keeping something new and something viable that, um, you know, something different. I thought, I, to me, that's what my husband also says, why don't you just chill out? He said, you could do a few shows, come home to the lake and relax. And, you know, you could even retire if you, it's like, I'd be bored out of my mind. So I'm always trying to think of something else new to do. And I'm sure that's why we decided to do the Christmas album and Christmas time. I don't remember about beautiful star, but Christmas time was paid for by the end of the Christmas season. So it was something really great to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting that yeah, I've been obviously I've been paying attention to the sort of the business of Christmas music and Christmas music. First off, you know, you know, an album has a cycle far longer. It may be a short cycle, but it's a cycle that will repeat for the next four or five years. And uh, and and if they hit, they hit huge. That right. in you know uh, you know in the early to, in the front half of two thousands. That you would that, you know, there would be ten albums would go gold in a year, and three of them would be Christmas records, and three of them right. would do all their business in the last few mo- in the last three months of the year, but in that time, they could just they could kill. And I've talked to a number of artists for whom they have a broad uh, a, bit, a long broad catalog, and their Christmas album is the one that 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 has the most enduring sales. Um, I don't so, remember if it's when mine when Christmas time came out or if it was six months later. But I remember having a number one album on the Billboard charts 
and it was a Christmas album, and it was in July. Ah, so ah, I think ah, it must have been the following, ah, that December, you know, it was continuing to sell. Sure. I, I think it was the, the July after. So, I, And I, I kind of made that as a goal. I said, man, we got to keep this momentum. How fun would it be to have a number one album in July, and it's Christmas? Ah, 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 <laughs> so you said Beautiful Star was kind of your song growing up, and so obviously that's why you put it here, too. Now, I have to say, I once... I started preparing for this. I started going in because up until this point, kind of the Christmas bluegrass song that I knew was Christmas Times of Coming, which which you do on there. But I didn't realize that Beautiful Star of Bethlehem had been nearly as recorded as it was, and it had the history it had. Um, So can you talk a little bit about the song? I mean, obviously it's a song that you say that you did, you know, when when you were younger, and so it's been with you a long time. What can you tell me about the song? Well, I mean, Ralph Stanley did this song, and somehow I missed that. You know, I'm sure as a little girl, yeah, I'm, I'm totally, I'm going to listen to what we hear, what my dad hears, or what he loves, or what albums we get. And somehow, you know, like I say, now I know why, because we didn't have any Christmas albums. That's why. <laughs> Doggone it, Dad. <laughs> but, I, but I know now, that, same with me. As I look back, uh, Ralph Stanley did that song. So many people recorded I think Larry Sparks recorded the song. So many people in Bluegrass recorded it. But it wasn't until, because I'm a huge fan of Emmy Lou Harris, had bought every record. And when that song, uh, Light of the Stable, I think is the name of that album, and it had Beautiful Star on it, I was awestruck and I loved it. And so then that, then I, I mean, that's the first song I had to record that song. There was nothing else I had to do on, on a Christmas album, but I had to do beautiful star. Bethlehem. That song has been recorded by a lot of people, and it seems to be in bluegrass. That's usually I get requests for that in July or throughout the year. They'll say, "I, I love this. I love Beautiful Star. Could you just sing that?" And uh, so, and we and we do, and we can, and oh, we will. Oh, that's great. But, uh, <laughs> um, but it is surprising that it's not. I mean, if I think if you think of a classic Christmas song, that's not exactly the one that you think of. Right. Yeah, it, Would that be, do you think it's just in bluegrass circles because that song's sort of in the acoustic uh, genre of music? Yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't found, a, I haven't found a version outside of the bluegrass world. Um, okay. You know, I mean, Emmy Lou is as far as as far afield as I've seen it. Outside of Christmas times, uh, Christmas times are coming and beautiful star. Are there other sort of blue uh, bluegrass Christmas songs that I ought to know about? I mean. Those are those are the two main Christmas songs. I can't really think of any others beyond that. Uh, used to be you could listen if you listen to the Grand Ole Opry and Bill Monroe was on there, and then so Bill Monroe would do Christmas Times a Coming. Give it an hour, the next artist that came out, they'd do Christmas Times a Coming, <laughs> and and uh, 
So that used to be the song you would hear. You could hear it three or four or five times in a night. Wow. Uh, if you were listening to the opera, you know, they probably didn't listen. I mean, when Christmas time came out, I got ready to um, do the, do the Grand Ole Opry. And we had, re- I, I used a studio band versus my band. Cause my band had the December, the month of December off put together the studio band. We rehearsed, we had one song. We just rehearsed one song and we rehearsed away in a manger. Do you know, right before us, as we're waiting to go on, Connie Smith sang Away in a Manger. Oh, oh man. And I said, guys, we, we're going to have to have another. We just, I mean, we had nothing else. We went out and sang Jingle Bells. Oh, that's funny. I mean, we hadn't rehearsed anything else. I was like, well, surely we can play Jingle Bells. What? But, it, it, you know, the songs, I think, well, Christmas songs are not easy to sing. When you, I found that out with when I did Christmas Time because I delved into the very some very old christmas classics and this is what i it's it's a little scary because i've only sang those one time in the studio and and it was it was quite um, quite challenging so i'm going to be performing them for 37 shows so this is going to get really interesting uh trying to um you know get all this in my head and 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 just the um physically singing them i found to be very very difficult. So I'm I've got to going to have to rehearse. Dashing through the snow in a one horse open sleigh or the fields we go laughing all the way. Bells on bobtail ring making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Oh Singing is breathing. And you would think, I mean, I thought, you know what? Singing is singing. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. When you're singing a bluegrass song, I breathe differently. See, I did a a CD called Only Me. This is where I learned this. I did a CD called Only Me. There's six bluegrass songs. There's six country music songs. And so as we're singing, Dave goes, what do you want to sing? So we kicked on a bluegrass saying it. And I said, ah, let's sing one of the country ones. <clears throat> and I, I'm trying to gasp for breath because my breathing, I had set up my breathing pattern for bluegrass. And I said, this is not going to work. I said, we need to sing all the bluegrass songs or I need to sing all the country songs. The, it's a, it's bre- all breathing, but the breathing pattern and the, I guess with bluegrass, usually you hold longer notes. Right. And, and I mean, for the most part, I, I think that's what it is. Or it's faster and it's shorter breaths. Maybe it's not as long breaths, right. but it is. There is a definite breathing. And so when I got to the Christmas songs, there's a varied uh, breaths from very long notes to very short notes to it's just very different. I did a, a medley on Christmas time. I think there's nine different Christmas songs. I can't remember if it's seven or nine. There's a lot of different ones. The tempos are varied. And so that was I mean that one another another very challenging song to sing. I, but I like the I like the challenges of that. Right. And it, to me, it expands my it expands my breathing. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but just the way I sing and and different approaches to all of that. Just like singing with somebody different. You know, when you sing with them, 
it gives you different ideas. Of, Ooh, should I sing it like this or hold, hold the breath there? It's just, uh, it's all breathing, but it's, uh, breathing is the same, but that's the only part of it that that's the same. part of the challenge is you know especially since you write so much of your own material you can think in terms of lines that will all sort of fall right for you but to some extent you're walking in someone else's someone else's shoes someone else's footsteps and they may not they may not all fit you perfectly all right that's true so but when i walk and see this is why it's different when i walk with someone if we're walking side by side I have to walk in the same step. I, I, that, that's one of my pet peeves, and my husband likes to take these little steps and then throw, <laughs> throw everything off. So there, there's something to that. But maybe that's with the breathing. Maybe that is with the singing, too. It's a rhythm that, I, that you get into and the breathing and all of this flowing together. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. That's interesting. I hadn't, I, I hadn't run into that. But, I, but it okay. makes sense. And also, but also, you take that Christmas medley that a lot of it add a kind of a... You know, at a patient tempo, which you know it's it's not right. fast, but that means you've got a lot of held notes in there, and that you've got a kind of, you're kind of you are kind of gliding from from note to note and place to place, and so there it's you're being forced to hang on to some notes for a good, for a length of time, and but that may not be your natural intervals, but you but you picked a tempo that's hard for them to that's that's not a bluegrass tempo. Right. Right. Yeah, it is definitely not that one song too. The, the they're so rangy too. That's another reason I don't think a lot of people do these. It starts out really low and then it'll go to the highest. So in the middle of that medley, I think it's the next to the last song. I am singing at the very top of my vocal range, so I can see why. Well, John Barry's going to join us for Christmas in Branson. That guy can sing. You know, it, it's amazing. And T. Graham Brown, those guys, the range that they have. I, I can't even fathom that. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I sing high. These guys take it to, there must be, it must be a different uh, lung development for that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so you've mentioned the uh, Christmas in Branson. So I guess, first off, have you, it occurred to me when I saw that, like that you have to have done something like that before. Have you done Christmas concerts or Christmas tours in the past? Never, never oh. done a Christmas tour We've done uh, two Christmas shows ever in my lifetime, and that was a few years ago. Oh wow! Um, and, I, and I decided then, because of the 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 level of uh, the degree of of difficulty that this brings, it is not worth the time that you have to take to rehearse a Christmas show and all of these songs 
just for one show. Right. It's like, if I'm going to do a Christmas show, I'm doing a Christmas show and it's going to have, I didn't realize it was going to be, have this much longevity or that we plan to do have this much longevity. But I said her, told her, I said, because some guy said, oh, I want, I've got to have you do a Christmas show. And he, they finally talked him into booking us for this one Christmas show. And we ended up doing two. So, um, but never, I, I performed in Branson all my life. I grew up with my family, the Sally Mountain Show, playing Silver Dollar City. But I have never uh, been in one place for this many days in a row. That's that's the one thing. Like a res, they call it a residency, I guess. Sure. And so, never done a residency like this where we were at the same place and uh, continuously and doing. And this is what this is my challenge now, because I already have started getting people who have bought tickets. And they're coming to multiple shows. Right. And normally, when we play, we don't use a set list. Our no one, there's not one show that's ever the same when we play in bluegrass. We change it up. It'll we'll start with a different song. Always, I, we don't even know. I call out the songs after one song's done. I call the next one out, and we go into it. So he already said, "Hey, we're coming to several shows. We've already we just bought tickets." Are you going to do the same show every every day? And we have different guests. That's going to change it up just in itself. But he has given me the idea. I'm going to I think I'm going to get like three starter songs and we're going to change those up and maybe do them weeks at a week at a time or do a week and change everything up. And then we'll maybe we'll start back. But I'm going to have to have some element of change. Now, I've already my idea for the second half. We're going to start that with straight bluegrass and I'm going to take requests. So that I will be able to do just like our normal show. We'll always start with something different. But um, now we have, I have a lady that's driving in from West Virginia. She's already bought five consecutive days. And she said, I'm thinking about staying the whole week. Yikes. Well, what am I going to do if ah, they're staying ah, the whole time? Ah. See, they're used to Branson and, and you, these people go to one time and then they leave and they're, they're not, they don't come back the, right. next, the next day. And wow. that's what they expect from us is that we're to change. You know, they expected our change. And it probably will be different just because Hunter's funny and then, you know, we never know what's going to happen. But there's got to be a degree of this that is rehearsed and that's going to be the same, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, at some point, if people buy tickets for multiple nights, especially multiple nights in a row, they really can only expect so much difference from you from night to night. I there's a, if, <laughs> okay. If, if I if I pay my money to go see a movie, I you know three nights in a row, I can't expect the movie to end differently each time. It's like ah, <laughs> that's right, that's right. But they do expect it from us because we do always change it up. So I'm right. gonna have to figure out some sort of an element of surprise, something that's different. They go, oh, I didn't expect that. You know what though. The fact is, people bought tickets to see you three nights, That's five right. nights in a row because they want to hear you sing those songs, oh, and okay. it's and that is true. And that's what you know. And you doing these things, and you know, the thing is, you couldn't do them exactly the same two nights in a row if you wanted to. There's always going to be right. differences. Yeah, um, that's true. Just so. Now, I do have to ask. As I saw the, uh, I saw the show. I mean, I saw that this was happening. I was looking. Have you? Do you have any anxieties about having room full of people at this time of you know at this time of the year? I mean, with with dealing with the COVID. Oh, and- oh no! That place holds three thousand people, 
So, I mean, you know what? I hope they can sell out 3,000 people. I will greet each and every one without a mask, so, or whatever <laughs> they want. So, yeah, I, we, we don't, you know what? We already felt like we had it long ago before they even knew what it was. I, I was sick, and I went to the doctor, and he tested me for everything he could possibly test. He goes, I've t- you don't have anything? He said, there's only one thing. He said, there's some new virus, and we don't have a test for it. Wow. So I feel like I already had it, and it, was, it wasn't any more than being normal sick, a cold, a bronchitis, or whatever, you know? Right. So, so no, I'm, my husband and I are like, listen, we're living our lives, and, and I, well, we've done six shows since March, and we have signed and meet and greet, done the meet and greet, and what the very first one that we did, they told everyone to space out, you know, every, you're supposed to space out to get in line. Those people just got in line. They didn't. They didn't care. Right. So, yeah. It's all good. So. Um, but but however, let me preface that with: I know there are people that should not that do have a high risk, and I don't think either they need to put a mask on or they don't need to be there. Do not. I don't. I'm not up. I'm not um, advocating anyone take any risk whatsoever. Thanks to Rhonda Vincent for the time and the talk. Vincent will be, as she said, in Branson, Missouri to play a series of Christmas shows from November 10 to December 20th. If you have thoughts on today's show, including your take on Carrie Underwood's My Gift, let me know at the 12 Songs of Christmas Facebook page. It's one of those Christmas releases that I admire because it's well-made, and it's clearly the thing Underwood wanted to make. But I can't hear how it fits into my holiday. How will it fit into yours? Thanks to ASNA Sarah for our theme music. He has a new 45, Adelheid, which is now out on Strange Daisy Records as both an MP3 and a vinyl 7-inch. As always, thanks to you for listening. We'll wrap up today with one more from Rhonda Vincent. From Beautiful Star, this is her version of Oh Christmas Tree. Talk to you next week. Oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, how faithful are thy branches.